What is going on, everybody? How's everybody doing? Awesome, awesome. Listen, um, I just wanted to say something really quick before I jump in, and it's this. Um, I was praying through some stuff and reading through some stuff this week, and um, here's kind of the thought that came to my mind about you guys that volunteer and serve every single week, and it's like kind of thankless because you serve in areas that no one sees you, and if anything, you get a high five. Um, this isn't going to come as like a, a shock, okay? So like no one's going to say, really, that's crazy. You just broke some news to me. But the most prominent person in our church is me. Like everybody knows my face when you walk in here. And so the face, humanly speaking, in prominence is me. But I don't ever want you to misunderstand prominence and significance. Because there is such a huge difference between being prominent and being significant. And the prominent impact that people make and the desire that we wish we had to be prominent and the significance of what a one person to one person and touch and feel and love on somebody is significant. And like, can I just say like when, whenever we see like someone changing a diaper, we're like, that's awful, right? I don't want to do that. That's, I mean that for my kids, so I'm not even talking about your kids. But that's significant. And when you pray over that person, that's significant. And in the parking lot, when you set up an hour before service starts, is significant. And every single cup of coffee that is made is significant. And everything that happens are the hands and feet of Jesus. And that's how he came. He served. He didn't have a, a platform that he preached on. People came to him because he served first. And I just want you to understand something. You're the heart and soul. Every person that gives out of generosity and serves out of generosity from your heart, you're the heart and soul of this house. It's not prominence that's the heart and soul. There, there does have to be someone that's the voice. But please never, never, never miss that four people raised their hand to trust Christ this morning. And listen, that's something we should celebrate, but I want you to understand this. The message only gets heard when the hands and feet of Jesus that are going out to serve preaches the message out there. And I just want to tell you I love you and I'm so thankful for you. And that's the truth is that um, don't ever miss significance versus prominence because it's so easy to do. So now I want you to get out your phones, get out your tablets. If you are a guest today, I'm so pumped up that you're here, but don't let us freak you out. Okay, because it's about to go down right now. So get your stuff out right now. But this time, instead of putting hashtag four point selfie only, we're going to put hashtag four point selfie, hashtag selfie Sunday, and hashtag whatever else you feel like hashtagging because we like to do this and hashtag. So get up right now. We're going to play a little music real quick. And I want y'all to take pictures of people and get, like, take it with someone that you had not seen. Get up, get up, get up. Let's go. Take some selfies. Come on. Hello, my name is Regret. What's up, man? Come on. Appreciate it, man. Hello, my name is Defeat. What's up? How are you? I know you recognize me. Just when you think you can win, I'll drag you right back down again till you've lost all belief. Oh, these 
Awesome. My man Stan. The Mamba's in the house. Are y'all going to make your way back? Name is child of the one true king. Awesome. Thank you for meeting somebody that maybe you didn't know. That's awesome. All right. So let me just jump right in today. I want to... Um, I want to just say this right before, so everybody lock in with me, regardless of if you came in here with a, like, a lot of luggage, a lot of baggage in your life, or if you're on cloud nine, hopefully some of y'all, that's you, and everything's going really well. But regardless of where you are, I, I want you to, to do something for me right now, and don't consider other people when this message is happening. Can y'all do that? Consider you and what God has to say in your life, how this is straight for you, and don't you have to see me up here. I understand that. But I just want you to say this right now. God, what would you have me hear? And then what would you have me do? What would you have me hear? What would you have me do? So I want you to think about two words this morning. Two words. And it's these two. Interested and committed. Interested and committed. And they're interesting words because like, we all know what they mean for the most part. Like we know what the word interested means, right? I'm interested in eating lunch today because I hadn't eaten in a while. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and in about an hour, I'm going to be committed and I'm going to get my eat on. Some, <laughs> Praise the Lord. But like, but like when it comes down to it, interested and committed, it's like it, it's so close to being the same. And I think, I think we get this so massively just jacked up. Because like every January, and listen, if you're a skinny person in this room, okay, <laughs> And just because you think that I might look skinnier right now, don't let it fool you. Oprah's coming back soon enough. And if you don't know what that means because you're too young, Oprah, she fluctuates. You know what I'm talking about, right? And so, like, most of my adult life, it's been like a heartbeat. And I understand. And here's what happens every January to any person that's like me. I'm going to lose weight. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And for a month, we go to the gym and we eat really good. And then Valentine's Day rolls around. Are y'all with me right now? And what am I supposed to do when Leah buys me chocolate, right? Yeah. I'm supposed to eat it. And I'm rude if I don't. Come on now. And then when we go to that nice restaurant and it's the Cheesecake Factory because God lives at the Cheesecake Factory, right? <laughs> After the meal, it's an obligation. It's a rite of passage for me to put down some cheesecake. And then you don't share cheesecake. Come on, right? You, right, you need to get that eat on, right? And so at that point, my, my diet, my life changed, wink. Like, it's, it's gone from I was, I'm, I'm going to do this to back to interest. And here's why. Here's the definitions of the two. I'm showing curiosity, right, and concern about something. I love handles and that's real kind and other stuff. And like, so I need to do this. But there's such a difference between wholehearted. Somebody say wholehearted. wholehearted. Dedication. Which leads to an action. I, my interest level starts waning when it sounds good. But can I just tell you, if you're interested and the interest never switches to commitment, eventually the things that we're interested in, we lose interest. interest. And if I'm interested in anything, if you're not a Christian, you're like, I don't even really want to be here in my mom or my family 
or my neighbor tricked me and said he was going to take me to lunch and now I'm here. Whatever it is, the other reason you're here, you can get some out of this right here and not even be interested in whatever else I have to say. Because at work, if you're interested in being great at what you do, you will never be great unless you're committed because there is a cost to commitment and there's not a cost to, to interest. I can gauge interest in anything and be interested in it. I think it'd be really cool to sail around the world. Actually, I don't, but let's just go with it, right? But to sail around the freaking world, are y'all with me right now? It takes a lot <laughs> and I don't want to do it, okay? Because there's some parts of the world I don't want to sail on. It's, come on. But like, but like I can be interested and I can tell you I'm interested and I can buy all the clothes and look interested and everything can look the part. Let's set sail until the commitment comes and then it goes down for real, right? So like that's the problem. Can I, like when I was a kid, when I was a kid, the only thing that I wanted to do in this world, some of y'all are my, were my friends growing up or you knew me when I was a kid and you can remember this, the only thing that I wanted to do was play basketball for Duke. I'm talking about like, it was kind of sick, let me be real. I slept with a basketball, okay? Some of y'all are like, this dude's crazy, right? And like I, everything that I did, everything that I thought, I mean, if it was raining, I played ball. So, so let me, I was committed. I was straight up committed. In the eighth grade, I was um, misshapen, okay? And somewhat plump, all right? If y'all don't know what misshapen means. And like, but I still practice all the time. And I ne I'll never forget going into the locker room at DR Hill. And it's now the Freshman Academy at Burns. And I went in the locker room and I looked. And on the last cut, no Mark Pangle. And I was crushed because I'm going to tell you what, if this is the number one thing in your life and it's what you think about more than everything else and then you don't, and you see failure, it's crushing. But something really cool happened from the eighth to ninth grade and it's called I Grew Six Inches, <laughs> right? And I'm just telling you, you can't teach that, right? You can teach a lot of stuff, but you can't teach six inch growth spurt because that really helps. And I also lost 10 pounds. And so if you grow six inches, lose 10 pounds and you don't look like a lab puppy where you're falling around <laughs> all over everything, Things can be the same and they get crazy really fast. And so I got much better just by growth. But there was also a man that moved into my neighborhood named Arnold Bradshaw. And Mr. Bradshaw would, was a 30-year retired multiple state champion coach from Ohio that, would, that was just an assassin. He, he was an amazing teacher. And he would just walk his dog up the, both hills where I lived and he would see me shooting ball. And one day he just walked up and said, bro, can I show you some things? I, you got something like I, you can jump pretty good and you can shoot pretty good. Can I show you like some drills to do? And I was like, yeah. And he started showing me, I started doing them and I loved it. And then if I did a certain thing after he gave it, he'd give me like some crazy prizes that he had gotten over the years. And I still have some of them today. And that whole summer he worked with me and I got really good. Legit. I could shoot the basketball. I'm telling you right now, anybody that I went to school with will tell you Mark Pangle could, I mean, it was wet. It was nasty. But listen, he noticed that I could shoot and I was big and I had stuff I could do and there was a future. And I would tell him, Mr. Bradshaw, all I want to do is play basketball for Duke, man. Like I, I know that I can do this. And I had it in my heart and I was committed and I was going to do whatever it takes. And my dedication level was right where it should be. And he said, okay, here's what we're going to do. That next summer, here's what we're going to do. Every morning, soon as basketball season ended, by the way, in March, every morning, here's what you're going to do, 5.30 a.m., I need you to get up and I need you to run three miles. And then we had this thing called air alert and I had these jump soles and he said, and it was hard. Can I just be honest with you? Oh my gosh. I and mean, it was miserable. 
And it wasn't like shooting ball that I absolutely loved. I did not sleep with my jump rope. Can I be honest with y'all? I did not sleep with my jump soles. I wanted to burn them. They were miserable. And if you've never done like, like jumping drills and that kind of stuff, don't. Okay, can I be honest with you? It is awful. And then just getting up, can I, like anybody that likes to run, I love you with the love of the Lord, weird. Like, I, why, why? You're, there's no one chasing me and there's no ball. Why in the moose am I running? Are y'all, is somebody with me today? Like, holy cow. And so I would get up and I would be like, I'm not a good wake up anyway, just straight up. So I'd walk up this stupid freaking what in the world. I could be shooting ball right now. And with all of my heart, I don't want you to miss this. With all of my heart, I wanted to shoot ball, man, and I wanted to be nasty at it. But my dedication stuck, uh, stuck excuse me, with what I thought was fun. Listen, listen carefully. If, if you are only dedicated to the things that you think are fun, you're not going to change the world. If you're only dedicated to the things that you think are fun, you're not going to be a great leader. It, regardless of what you think about Jesus, the cap on your life when you're only dedicated to the things that you find enjoyment in is such a low level that it's not even funny. And before I start reading in Luke chapter nine, I just want to tell you this from the bottom of my heart. And it's going to tie in with every part of this story. There is nothing looking back on my life. And this is not a regret. I want you to understand the point. There's, it's, it's not a regret. It's just a, I wonder what it would have looked like. Because at the end of the day, what I knew is there were guys that looked like me. And I had a 30-inch vertical, but what if I had a 38-inch vertical that that thing promised? And if that doesn't make sense, it just means I can jump 38 inches off the ground, flat-footed, and it's, that's really good. And what would it have looked like if I'd have worked on dribbling instead of just shooting the ball? And what would it have looked like if in every area of basketball that I hated, I would have been as committed to that? is I was the things that I like to do. I wonder what it would have looked like. Can I just be honest with you? And you might think that I'm full of pride. I don't think this is pride. I really believe this. I would have played basketball for Duke. And the other area is academics. I, I, I was so committed to being good at basketball that I really could care less until I had a meeting with the clearinghouse people and they said, you're not even gonna qualify. And then I made a 4.0 and it was too late to get into Duke. And can I, this is what I think the tension is in our lives. I believe everybody has something right now that you feel that way about. And it's probably not to play basketball at Duke. And I have one. And I've been praying it every day of this fast. God, no regrets. For the rest of my life, this will not be what I am when it comes to Jesus Christ. This will be what I am. I will be fully surrendered and I will be a world changer. Not because of what I've done, but because there will be nothing above you. And then there's a really interesting story found in Luke chapter 9. But before I read it, I just want to say, Jesus had to deal with this, with the guys that lived with him. And this is nothing new. And here's Jesus' question. It's, it, the, your Bible in Luke chapter 9 probably says the cost of discipleship. And this is what Jesus said. Are you interested in following me or are you committed? Are you interested in knowing that your selfie matters to God and that your life will never be the same? and that you're a world changer, and that I am the means to every end, and the cause in which you can have hope, not maybe, but absolutely, is me. And I'm really interested in that, and I'm really interested in Jesus, but at the end of the day, there's a cost in following. And here's what Jesus said in chapter 9 of Luke, verse 23. He said, he said to everybody there, he said, if anybody 
wants to come after me. If any of you, listen, listen, if any of you want to f- come after me and be one of my guys and one of my girls and one of my people that absolutely follow Jesus, here's what you got to do. Three things. You got to deny yourself and take up your cross daily and follow me. Now, if you've been in church, you've heard this verse before. Like this isn't a new verse, but I want to break it down to you in three parts and I'm going to go really fast. But listen, listen, you can't miss these three things. Deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. And when we hear that, it sounds really good because I can read through the Bible, right? And it's like, yeah, sweet. That's awesome. But here's what he meant. And this is where I'm interested in doing all those. That's awesome. He like cut it down the middle. He said, you know what? Nah, we're going to make a decision in this room right now. We're going to decide Am I really interested in it? Was it something cool and that Jesus thing seems cool and they seem to really enjoy it and have hope? Or is it something that I'm dedicated to with every ounce of my soul? So so here's how it breaks down. And if you were a Jewish person and you heard him say that, here's what you would have heard him say. And it makes so much more sense. The first thing is deny himself. Is this word, and if you can pronounce it, you understand Greek and that's awesome. You're smarter than me, all right? So, but... I won't even try. But like, this is the word in Greek. And so when they heard it, they heard this word. And this is what it translates. To deny oneself for the sake of another. And then to disown is the actual under meaning. So so when y'all watch the news, and if you've never watched it, you're probably better off, but but don't repeat that. But like, if if you watch the news and you see what happens in the Muslim countries when 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 a person is, by the way, most Muslims are peaceful regardless of what you believe. But most Muslims do not like when their people follow Jesus. And this is an absolute across the board with very few exceptions. And there are a few. But if a person in a family, if this is my family right here, and one of them becomes a Christian and we are Muslim, we say, you're no longer part of our family. We disown you. If anybody comes after me, you have to deny the fact that this is more important than Jesus. That's hardcore. Does anybody else agree with that? Like, that's not just like, you gotta, you gotta say that I'm the best and like do this. This isn't like a a tiptoe through the tulips type declaration. Does anybody else understand? Like this, this is hard. This is hard. This costs dedication. It's not the same thing. And deciding that this is all I need and he is my absolute done end of all is not the same thing as I think Jesus sounds really cool. And I believe in this room and across churches around America today, the problem is not you. The problem is not that you are ignorant. The problem is we pastors have not taught you what it really means to follow Jesus because we've dumbed it down and made it grace, 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 grace. And grace is amazing and it's bigger and better. But it costs I cannot truly be a follower unless I say, you know what? Whatever's behind me is no longer in front of me. I'm not worrying about it anymore because you are how I find my identity, my selfie. And so I'm forgetting. That doesn't mean that I don't still love my family. I love my family, right? I love my friends. I love the game. Guys. Like I, I don't laugh. Like I love, please. I hurt my feelings. Like I love, I love lots of stuff, but that's not my identity. Listen, you can say amen and raise your hand and say, that's awesome. But if you're only interested in that being your life, eventually you'll lose. Eventually you'll lose. When I point the mic, it's a weapon. I need you to talk to me. Eventually you'll lose. Interest. And that's why so many walk away. Or maybe it's the next one. I don't have it on the screen, but 
Then he says, take up your cross. And that's so interesting to me. I am interested in this. Can I be honest with you? Because Jesus was a couple years away from actually dying on the cross. And so when we hear this, we're like, yes, that's what you did for me. And that is an absolute that we can hold our hands up and say, yes, you died for me. But in this case, that's not what he meant. The cross represented something that was awful. Think of the way that I could embarrass you more than anything else and it kills you and you're stripped naked and that's taking up your cross. It was the most embarrassing, torturous death on the planet at the time. I was trying to think of what could it be today and this isn't torturous enough, but when I see on the Al Jazeera network, they replay it on the news and, and they put Christians with like bags over their heads and they say, deny Christ or we'll chop your head off. That's degrading. The way that women are treated is degrading and then you're killed and stripped down. That kind of changes the game, doesn't it? Are y'all with me? Does that change the game a little bit? This isn't like, this wasn't what you wear around your neck, the cross, and it wasn't what you put on front of the front of the church, the cross. This was, this was painful and it cost. You have to deny your own existence for my existence and take up this that is embarrassing, that hurts, that is torture in some cases. And then follow me. And this is what follow me means. That word. <laughs> if y'all want to write it down, you can, but I won't try. And it, when they heard this, this is what they heard. To stand beside one solely, kind of like the picture of marriage. The Bible calls us the church. Every person that's truly trusted and followed Jesus Christ. That I'm the bride of Jesus Christ and he's the bridegroom. And I forsake, when I, trust, when I got married to Leah and I made a covenant, I said, forsaking all others, I commit to you. This is deeper than that because it's a commitment with my whole life to commit to Christ. And so he says, listen, deny who you are and let me be what defines you. And you still have your personality, you still have everything, but then you take up your cross and all the junk and all the embarrassing things that you believe defines you and it no longer does because I defined you and you follow me. And you conform to the example that he is. And listen, in, in Jewish custom, here's the deal. Their end goal was to be like their teacher, their rabbi. They did everything like him. They hoped, this is a fact, you can look it up. They hoped that they would get close enough to their teacher, their rabbi, Jesus, that dust would kick up on them and they could say, look, the dust of my rabbi is on me. I wonder this, has anybody been close enough this week to get the dust of your rabbi on you? Because that's Jesus. Because if you've spent no time with him, like we don't read the Bible so that he loves us. He cannot love you more. God can't love you more than sending Jesus to pay the price for your sin that you couldn't pay so that you could live a life you couldn't live. He can't love you any more than that. He loves you so much that he said, I don't, I don't want to put out something that's not the real thing. And while I look back and say, man, I could have been really good at ball. What I look back and say is I was pretty good but I could, have, I could have been transcendent if I would have been as committed. And I'm not satisfied with that anymore with my life. And I don't care about basketball anymore. I care about Jesus. And so let me read this to you again. He said, if anyone would come after me, they must, they must be willing to be disowned for my sake and take up what is, what is torture. And no one's going to wear a chopped head off around their neck. This isn't hope. This is tough and follow me with reckless abandon. And it doesn't mean you're stupid or silly or ignorant. 
It means that I'm forgetting everything that's behind me and I'm going toward him more than anything else in this world and following him. And then when you continue reading the story, it changes everything. Here's what verse 24 says. For whoever would save my own life, your own life, his life would lose it. Whatever loses it for my sake will save it. And listen, when, when you read this and just skim through, it's like, duh, right? But this isn't duh. This is yes, because it makes so much more sense when he's just said, listen, because you, many people will look at this and when they get it, what it really means, they'll say, no, no, I've got to have what, what is rightfully mine. One thing that God has like burdened me within this fast is why would I pray for a blessing when I'm not, when I'm not a good steward of what he's given me now? Why would I want God to do more in my life and give me more when I'm not being a good steward with what I have now? When everything, every decision that I make doesn't go through the funnel of does this build God's kingdom or does this build Mark's kingdom? I don't think about that. I just build Mark's kingdom. And whoever, whoever would, would, would not lose his life would not gain true life in Christ. And that means every day he's new. His, his love is new every morning. It's what Lamentation says. And, and yet what I seek for is often so different because I'm trying to build me. And it's so frustrating because I'm like, I'm really interested in changing the world. He's like, I don't, I don't need interested people. I need dedicated, committed followers of me, 25. For what does it profit me and you if we gain the whole world and we forfeit ourselves? If at the end of my life, I look back, listen, don't miss this. If at the end of my life, I look back and say, what could have been? Like I say now about basketball in my teenage years, what, what would it have looked like? Most people die having believed and never received. And as a result, they look back and say, what does it look like? I've, I've gained all of this and I've prayed for all of this, but I've never prayed for all of this. And what would that look like? if I profit everything that I can put my mind to and I forfeit my soul. 26. This makes so much more sense when you read it in context. Whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed. This isn't about like ashamed, I don't raise my hand like people use it out of context. This is a much deeper meaning than that. When he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels, if I'm ashamed to take up my cross and deny myself for his sake, I wonder this, was I committed or was I interested? In John chapter six, Jesus tells this, or the story is told of what Jesus did. He, he, he takes the, the bread and feeds 5,000 people and the fish and breaks it up and feeds 5,000 people and it's a miracle and everybody in droves and droves and droves are following Jesus. Huge crowds that our minds can't comprehend on the side of a hill at the Sea of Galilee and everybody's following and then he teaches on the cost of following Jesus and he says to these people, if, if you just eat my flesh and drink my blood, I'm the bread of life. I'm your supply and your need. And I, can you imagine this dude that came and he's doing miracles and he's claimed that he's going to take away the sins of the world is standing there and he says, listen, you have to eat of this. This has to be your portion. 
Can you imagine what that felt like and looked like? Those people were like, man, that's crazy. Don't miss this. Thousands of people, much more than 20,000 people, when he was speaking these words, were listening to him in an ample theater-like setting. And nearly everyone walked away. And do you know why they walked away? John 6, 6, 6, look it up. Many followers, people that said yes, walked away because they said, this is too hard. And when I look back on my life, I say, I just didn't do it. I didn't run, continue with air alert past a certain month because it was too hard because I was interested. And eventually I lost interest. And I'm just being honest with you guys. I, I think the reason that the church inside looks like the, the world outside is because we're really interested in this Jesus thing. But I don't know that we're committed. And can I just, if we don't build a big church at four points because it's too hard, then so be it. But at the end of my life, I'll stand before God. And if I just give this cool message every week that makes everybody feel good. There is never, ever commitment without dedication. And there's never a dedication that's not hard. And I believe for many of you in this room, what you need to receive today is a breakthrough. But in order for a breakthrough to take place, brokenness has to begin. You cannot have a breakthrough without brokenness. You can't do it. When it comes to your life, when it comes to your person and your soul, you can't just walk through a door and say, I've had a breakthrough. You have to let him break you to have a breakthrough. And some of you need that right now. And the only way that he can really break you is if he's got you. He can't break something that's not his. Listen, God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And this is how we can have a breakthrough. This is how. You say, how, how can this happen? This is how. This is how. In him, meaning Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. In him, meaning Jesus, we have redemption. You, he is the redemptive power that sets people free. And I have a breakthrough that takes place. But this isn't like a breakthrough, I get a better job. This is a breakthrough of my life is dead and buried and I'm alive in him. But this is not you get to go and do as you please, heaven ticket. I get to do whatever I want to do. This is forsaking everything else. I'm following you. I'm surrendering my heart and life to Jesus. Listen, listen. Matthew chapter 7 says, Many will say to me, Lord, Lord. And I will say, don't miss this, man. This is the most important thing. I don't know you. I don't know you. But, but, but God, I, I, I did. I said things and I prophesied in your name. I don't know you. I don't know you. I don't know you. You were interested. In, and in seasons of your life, you were interested. But it's not enough to be interested. He takes the surrendered heart of Jesus. And in this room, I just believe that that is many people that will live a life of regret the rest of your life until you say, I need redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. I'm going to say these words that's found in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, in the message version. Say the welcoming words to God. Jesus is my master. I'm forsaking mind, body, soul, and everything and trusting you. That's it. I don't have to do, but it costs me my life so that I can be alive in him. And today, listen, I believe, I don't wanna scare you and I don't wanna make it too much, but as God is my witness, I believe it could be as many as half the people in this room. 
You say, how, how would you know that? Are you judging me? I'm not, I'm not judging you. The Bible says by our fruits will be known. And this is how they'll know if you're a disciple, if they love one another. And it's just not happening. And today, I say no more. We're not satisfied anymore. And listen to me, a bunch of you, today's the day of salvation. Today's the day. I don't care what prayer you've made. Don't miss this. I don't care what aisle you've walked. I don't care where you come from. I don't care if you're 70 or 17. I'm believing God that today is the day for you. I want you guys to pray with me and I'm gonna do something a little bit different. I want every person, I don't care if you've been a Christian for 30 years or you've never heard this before, I want you to call this out loud, as loud as you can. Declare it to the Lord with me right now. Will you pray with me? Just bow your heads and repeat after me a couple words at a time. Lord Jesus, I deserve separation from you because of what I've done. But God, I believe with my mouth, I declare and in my heart I trust that Jesus is Lord. He forgives me from my sins because he died so that I could have life in his name. And now, and for the rest of my life, I declare and commit my life to Jesus. Amen. Will you keep your heads bowed and eyes closed? Please be bold and be honest. I just want to pray with you and celebrate with you what God did. And I know that there's lots of people that the Holy Spirit is pulling on your heart, that you just did it. And all that you're doing is taking your first step by saying, Jesus, I want the world to know that I'm saved. We just want you to lift your hand up and let us pray with you and celebrate with you right now. If that's you, do not let anything hold you back. Show us your hand right now. Wherever you are in this room, thank you. Hold it up. Come on. Hands up. Come on. Where are you? There's hands up in the room. Hold them up high. Hold them up high. Let us see them. Let us see them. We know that there's several people and we're believing God that it's going to be more. If that's you, if that's you in this room, if that's you in this room, just hold those hands up. Last chance right here. I don't know how many people it was. Several people just raised their hands. But I want to give you one more chance. Pastor, for the first time, I'm declaring that I'm a child of God, that I find my selfie in Him, that my hope is in the Lord. And I do not really believe that I've ever done that. I don't care who you are. I just want you to be honest if that's you right now and you want to be full of hope and not hope so. Come on, there's still time. Just throw your hand up and say, that's me. That's me. Listen, for the people that did that, for the people that did that, I think I saw a hand, but I'm not sure if it was you. You can do it anytime that I'm talking. Someone will come and tell you what to do. For every person that did that, and I don't care if you filled out a card right now when you're doing it, I don't care if they came to you if you did that, here's what I need you to do. I need you, when we get done singing, to walk to the back. There's going to be people at our prayer wall right at the back at our Next Steps team, and they want to help you take your first steps in Jesus Christ. They want to show you the way. And we want to walk with you every single day of what this looks like because it is hard, but it is the greatest thing that you will ever do in your life. Will you all stand with me? Here's what I want to tell you. We're going to sing an amazing song. And I want to tell you this one thing. Don't leave today 
Don't miss this. Don't leave today feeling down. Leave today knowing that for every single one of you that have said yes to Jesus, even if your life is crazy right now, your breakthrough is a break you away. And God wants to change the world through you. And this is my declaration. This is what I have prayed every single day. I look inside. I don't look at you and say, God, they're jacked up. I look at me and say, God, I'm jacked up. But you loved me enough to not ever give up on me. And my identity is in Christ. And for the rest of my life, I'm committed to you. I'm going to mess up. Woo! Praise the Lord, I'm going to mess up. But praise the Lord much more because he never holds that against me and calls me home and says, you're my son, your identity is in me, and I love you. And when you leave here, leave with this. I will not look back in regret. I will look back and say for the rest of my life and the day that I die, I will say I'm coming home. I'm coming home. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ and I'm coming home. I'm ready because I said yes and I declared Jesus. And listen, if that's you, there is nothing that you can imagine that is more joy. We're going to change the world with the gospel. But you can't be interested because eventually you lose interest. Come on, let's declare Jesus right now.